Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this blessed night. Thank you for one another. Thank you for the holy space in which we are gathered and the holiness to which we are called. Lord Jesus, I pray that as we look at your word and as we wrestle with this subject of giving, that you would release us from burden and you'd release us from guilt and you would anoint us with a sense of freedom and purpose and joy in your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now then, I've put somewhere something that I want to pass round. Have I done with it? There it is. I'm going to pass these round. You should never give something out to distract people from listening to you. But I'm going to do just that. You can't see these probably. Look at that. Can you see that? No. Can you see that? No. Uh, so what I'm going to do is pass them round. If you could just organise yourselves, just pass them back and across and back and across so that uh, you've all had a bit of a fiddle. You probably won't be able to see them in the gloom. Uh, but if you just uh, feel and imagine as they come round. I'm going to pass them around in two different directions. I'll tell you what they are later. Right. So tonight we're going to be talking about giving. When I was a vicar, we had a blocked drain in our uh, vicarage. Next to us was the church nursery. We ran a nursery uh, with staff and, and, and kids, of course, as well. And uh, the nursery was right adjacent to our vicarage, and we shared the same sewers. And the nursery kept putting wipes down the loos, and they kept blocking. And uh, then there was the church as well, we were all in the same compound. And there was this day when everything was just blocked up. And I remember it very well. Because there on our driveway was the main like manhole cover. And there was my church wardens. There's a couple of other guys from church who sort of knew what they were doing with a rod thing. Uh, and there was me. And uh, a couple of others just came along for the spectator sport. And uh, lifted the manhole cover. And people were scratching their heads and they were shoving rods up. And I had to go inside and flush our loos. And I came outside and there we all were, looking into this manhole cover, watching poo and toilet paper go past. And I was stood there thinking, I'm stood here with all these people from church looking at my poo. (laughs) It was a high point in ministry. And that's tonight's talk. Talking about giving and how you give, what you do with your money or what I do with my money is about as much fun as inviting your friends around to come and look at your poo. It has that same sort of je ne sais quoi to it. So let's just be honest. No one wants to be told what they should be doing with their money and no one wants others to come and inspect what they do with their money. Our money is one of our most private things. The way that we spend our spending habits, where we bank, where we shop, what we buy, what we are frivolous with, where we're going on holiday, how much we spent on holiday, how much we spent on our car, how much we spent on our shoes or our clothes. All those things are not up for discussion. They are private because we are British. And the thing which is least up for discussion is how much do you give to church? 
It's between you and the Lord. So I just want to put that out there. I know that. I feel that. I feel that for me as well as for you. And yet giving is a spiritual discipline and it's a necessary part of who we are as God's people. So we're just going to tackle it head on. You will know, I'm sure many of you will know at least, that there are different approaches to giving. The classic one is the tithe. Who's heard of a tithe? A few of you have heard of a tithe. Who's never heard of the word tithe before? It's okay if you haven't, don't be ashamed. Okay, that's fine. So a tithe is this concept, some of you in the middle are lying, because some of you didn't answer to either of those questions. <laughs> it was an either or situation there. I should have seen every hand at least one point. So a tithe is this idea in the Bible that you bring a tenth of the harvest and offer it um, to the Lord as a sacrifice. In the time of the temple and worship, there were lots of different sacrifices available, either animal sacrifices or, uh, or, or what's the word, arable, uh, harvest crops type stuff. Giving to the Lord and you take stuff and offer it in at the temple uh, and that would be used to feed the priests in the temple, but also to serve the poor as well and just be burnt up as an offering to the Lord. All sorts of different things went on with sacrifices. But the idea of a tithe was that what you had, you enjoyed, but you took a tenth of it and you gave it to the Lord as a thank you, as a worship, as a, as a sacrifice. Through my life, I've often wondered how much should I give the Lord? And it's a bit like that teenage question with dating. How far can you go? In terms of how, what's okay, I'm going to be very careful, there's a number of children here this evening, but you know what I'm talking about. It's the question of how far can I push the boundary? I mean, with giving, it's actually how little can I get away with, not how much can I get away with. Mostly we want to know how little do I have to give and still be okay with Jesus. My approach to giving has always, for me, been the tithe. So from my early 20s, when I had uh, any money at all to do anything with, it was just simply a tenth of what I had, what I was coming in. Uh, And for me, that's always been about before tax, before bills, before everything else. A tenth bump, just give it away because it's easy and because it seemed to me to fit with scripture. I'm going to tell you more about that in a moment, so don't think that I'm too holy just yet. There is a real truth about giving that you have to get hold of, you have to underline in red pen and stamp on your forehead before we go any further with talking about giving money to the church. If you're a millionaire and you give 50p to the church... Or if you are on benefits and you give 50p to the church. Or if you're a millionaire and you give a million pounds to the church. Or if you're on benefits and you give a pound to the church. Or 50 pounds. It makes not the blindest bit of difference to how God sees you and loves you and accepts you. There is no way... You can buy your way into God's favour and there's no way you can sting your way out of God's love. 
He died for you whilst you were still a sinner and whilst I was still a sinner. We are saved by grace alone, not by deeds. So it actually doesn't make any difference to your salvation or your standing in God's presence, your adoption as a daughter or a son of Jesus Christ. It makes not the blindest bit of difference to him how much you've got in your wallet or your bank account and how much you've given away. He is going to love you anyway. You can't stop him. And you can't make him do it anymore. Is that understood? Let's say, can we put our hands up if we understand that point about grace, please? Thank you. I feel safe to carry on. So I have always had this idea about giving a tenth because it fits, for me, with Scripture. That doesn't make me any better or any worse. Some of you will have heard the story of the widow's mite. We're going to come to that at the end. The idea of this widow, she didn't have a lot and she just gave the tiny amount that she had and she gave that to God and Jesus said, you know, she did a good job. And for some of us, that gives us encouragement. Actually, we don't need to give very much because Jesus was quite impressed with what she gave and it was a, a piddly amount. It's called the widow's mite. And actually, that's what's being passed around now. Those coins which I'm passing around were minted in about 100 BC in Jerusalem. And uh, they are the two coins that are referred to in the passage of the widow's mite. Well, I don't know if it's exactly those two coins. (laughs) Might be, who knows? Uh, But that's what you're handing around. And you can see and feel they are uh, the cheapest type of metal minted to the smallest amount, manageable in the thinnest level. They were worthless because money was, was counted in terms of weight and the purity of the metal. So what you're handing around is the most worthless, worthless coins imaginable. And uh, you can buy them on eBay for a fiver each. So <clears throat> that's what you've got going around. And that's what the widow put into the coffers. We'll have a look at her a bit more in a moment. If you've got, probably if you've got Bibles on phones so that you can see them, if you've got Bibles and you can read, uh, and obviously it'd be helpful if you can read, um, they'll be on the screen as well, I think. And we're going to look at Leviticus chapter 23. And verse 23. No, verse 22, sorry. Leviticus 23, verse 22, up on the screen. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, On the first day of the seventh month, you are to have a day of rest. It's a holiday, a bank holiday. A sacred... No, I've gone to the wrong bit. I've gone to verse 23 again. I was thinking, this isn't the right bit. What's going on? You can read that bit later in bedtime. Go back a verse. Verse 22. When you reap the harvest of your land, that's much better, before the bank holiday, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. Now when you read in the Old Testament, this is a long time before Jesus. This is right at the beginning of the Bible. Uh, hundreds, thousands of years before Jesus comes along. We're dealing with Moses and the very first followers of Yahweh, the Old Testament understanding of, of our God. And laws are being given. And when God said to Moses, 
I am the Lord your God. That was a bit Darth Vader, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> I am the Lord your God. He meant business. He's like, make a note of this. This is really, really important. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the alien. How many of you have got fields that you harvest regularly? Not many in summary. Okay. How many of you have got bank accounts, incomes, wages, salaries, pensions that you harvest right to the very edge of? If you're anything like me, pretty much every single month you get well up to the edge of your field and you're scrabbling around under bushes looking for any gleanings possible. Does that sound familiar to some of you? We live a life where actually we tend to harvest right up to the edge of our field and beyond into the land of debt. That's how we live as a society. We have almost no sense of leaving this portion along the edge of our field, the edge of our harvest, what's allowed for us, what belongs to us, because if you're reaping a harvest in your field, it's your stuff that you've worked for. You're allowed that stuff, but God says no. You might be allowed that stuff, but leave some. Leave some at the edges. And actually, if you know maths, around the edge of the field is actually quite a lot. If you leave a patch around the edge and the top and the other side and down the bottom of your field, that's going to add up to quite a significant surface area. It's not just a little piddly amount like the widow's mite. It's a lot. And God says, don't touch it. The poor need that. I am the Lord your God. But we live as though we can have the whole lot and ask for more. We think, well, I'll pay that back sometime. So how do we live as God's people? Do we live as though we are prepared to harvest only so far and leave some? Now recently, if you follow me on Facebook, poor you, sorry, uh, I have decided that it's time to take an aspect of my life in order. For the last few years, particularly the last 18 months since I've been here, I've been systematically trying to get all my ducks in a row, trying to get my life back on track. And uh, it's been interesting, it's been hard work. And there's one thing that I've sort of left till now, because I had other things which were stressing me out even more, and that is my fitness and my health. I just didn't care, really, about what I ate or the lack of exercise that I was partaking in. I did used to, once upon a time, be a bit fit. Not very fit, but fit enough. I've never really had a great diet, but it had really gone down the pan. Stress, eating, comfort, eating. Chocolate milk from Tesco's. I love that chocolate milk stuff. Coke, sugar hit to get me through the day because I'm knackered. Coffee, not just any coffee, caramel lattes. Awesome. Takeaways, fast food, drive through McDonald's, two double cheeseburgers, please. Oh, chuck a Coke in as well. Hold the fries, I'm watching my figure. <laughs> really rubbish diet. And I was feeling tired, I was lethargic, I was bleh, horrible. 
And my eldest son's really into fitness. And he kept saying, Dad, your diet's rubbish. I need to sort out a diet plan for you. I was like, leave me alone. I've got enough trouble on my plate. Don't start on, at that on me. So I put it off and put it off. And in the end, I thought, I'm going to get this sorted. And so Lent came along. And I thought, this is when I'm going to do it. There's a thing called the Daniel Plan from America, uh, a bit biblical. I'm not going to bore you with the details. But it's trying to cut out all that junk and sugar uh, and trying to focus on really healthy stuff. I've been doing my best. I haven't nailed it completely, but I'm doing about 90% better, I'd say, than I was doing previously. So that's okay. Thank you. I went to Nando's two nights ago. Quinoa, is that how you pronounce it? How pretentious is that? I normally then, Nando's, saying, load me up with a half chicken platter, chips on the side. Salad's okay. Let's have some of that. I went in and I said, I'll have a quinoa salad. (laughs) I've never felt more miserable in my life. (laughs) However, after a couple of weeks, I'm already starting to feel the difference. Not drinking or taking any sugar was the thing I thought would be the biggest challenge and it's possibly the thing that I felt the best because of just eradicating that I'm not going to bore you with a whole load of geeky stuff about diets because I don't really know about it all I do know is that I thought I'm going to make a choice to do something different and see how it goes and so far it's actually not been too bad I also decided and this is completely crazy for me I was going to start running so I started the couch (laughs) thanks Stuart so I started the couch to 5k app thingy two weeks ago I've just finished week one (laughs) but it was okay it's not too bad it starts you off slowly it just changes you bit by bit and you start doing a little bit of running and then you walk for a bit and then you do a bit more running and walk for a bit it just gets you used to it and apparently by the end of the however long it is you can run 5k well I'll believe that when I see it but that's my plan it's to try and reshape my life Not because I've got to, but because I want to feel better. And I want to feel freer. I want to feel healthier. I'm going to bring that back to money. I think that we are just as unhealthy with our finances as we are with our food. And I feel like we are just as trapped in our finances as we are in our diets and our lifestyle habits. And I think that often in our finances we feel as ill and unfit as we can do in our physical world. So those of you who've heard my testimony know that three years ago, four years ago, life just completely exploded for me. Everything went wrong. Uh, I eventually had a nervous breakdown, uh, quit being a vicar. And when you do that, you lose the house you're living in and your income. And it is all I had ever known. But until that point, I had given 10% of my income every month standing order straight to the church before the tax just 10% because that's what I believed in and then everything just went wrong and I thought first of all I don't know if I can trust God anymore because of everything else that was happening in my life and how hurt and broken I was I lost my faith in Jesus not completely but I was angry with him and I didn't want to trust him and I really didn't want to give him any more of me 
So I stopped giving. And then I was losing my house and my income, and I had a certain amount of money in my bank account, enough to live on for a while. I've got three kids, I'm a single dad. It was a precarious situation. And I thought long and hard about just turning my back on God completely and, and just doing my own selfish thing. But I had some sense of God still calling me to something. It was to set up the business that I'm running now, Eve 2, which is doing print and design stuff for churches. So it's sort of still focused on that. But I had this sense that it wasn't just a business plan. It was a God idea. And I had to choose, do I choose that? Because I don't really trust God very much at the moment. And I decided one last time. One last time, I'll trust him. See what happens. It was a crazy fool thing to do. I didn't start giving my money back to a church. I was still too angry and too broken and too hurt. But I did do something a bit spiritual and a bit selfish at the same time. I suppose I was hedging my bets. But I took all that money that I had and I ploughed it all into starting this business, not knowing where it would end or where it would go. And that meant that me and the kids couldn't move into our own home. We had to move in with my parents, which has been a mixed blessing in itself. At 42, gone from being a vicar of a large church to being a nobody with nothing. Got my kids, living back with my mum. It's not a great place to be. And I handed over all my cash to buy in the equipment to do the thing that I thought God was saying I should do. And it really was for me a last chance saloon for God and me. And I started coming here and I thought, I need to start giving to the church again. I can't. I haven't got any money for starters. <laughs> Give them 10% of nothing if you like, that's fine. But I've had this blockage, this thing between me and God. I did that for years for you, God, and look where it's got me. But you know, as I'm starting to get healthier in my mind and my heart as well as my body there's this bubbling there's this bubbling in my spirit that says I want to be part of God's plan again I want to buy into I want to invest into what God is doing I want to give God that tithe, that portion of me and let me be honest starting from where I'm starting now I find that a really hard thing to do. To sign off on 10% of whatever I get in each month, it's too much. I find that really scary. It never bothered me before because I just did it. But then I stopped doing it and I'm trying to start doing it again and actually it's really hard. So what I'm going to do is like the couch to 5K. I'm going to start doing it bit by bit. I'm going to start a standing order for the church and just start to do a little bit and just start to see how I get on with that and then see if I can keep ramping that up. I'm going to start to try and make changes in my life because actually I think some of the stuff I spend money on is complete waste of money. And that's one of the things I've been doing as well is I've been doing a whole life survey of all my bills and debts and things and being able to pay them off and I've had some, some fantastic help from lovely people to enable me to do that. But it's taken effort to do that. 
I've been doing it since January and it's been amazing and freeing. And I felt better financially and in myself because I've been able to pay off debts and structure my finances and think, what am I spending money on today? Whereas before, I was just buying chocolate milk and spending it on rubbish. Go with me to Matthew chapter 6, if you can. Do not worry. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we wear? Or what uh, what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Ain't that the truth? And here's the thing that we do with money in relation to this passage. If you're like me, you worry. Particularly if you're a single parent or you're on low income. There's nothing but worry for you when you look at your bank account. It's been a hellish experience for me. It's driven me to absolute despair, anxiety, panic, everything that's negative and horrible. And I said last time I preached I couldn't open envelopes because I had such anxiety over it. And here's a passage saying, don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll wear. And it talks about the Lord providing. Look at the birds. They don't labour or spin, but the Lord gives them what they need and as I reflect on my life as I reflect particularly in the last few years I've realised that what I was doing in my anger towards God and in my disconnection from him I wasn't leaving any room for him to show up in my life I wasn't actually trusting him with any of my finances there wasn't a single day in which I gave God the chance to show up and do something because I was doing it all myself. I was striving. I was working my socks off. I was worrying myself to death. I was the master of my own destiny and my own downfall. I didn't trust God with finances. I was making no effort and no indication to Jesus that I trusted him with money. It was, this is mine. Don't touch it. Hands off. Okay, says Jesus. Hands off. When we give, we're not filling in some sort of accounting ledger with Jesus. Say, I've given this much now. 
Look how well I've done. That's not what's happening. When we give, we're saying, Jesus, I trust you. I love you. This is part of who I am and I want this to be part of who you are and what you're doing. (laughs) Not how little can I get away with before you're pleased with me, it's how much can I I trust you with? Because I don't want to worry anymore. It's like dieting. We think we're just giving stuff up, but it's not. It's embracing something new. For me, I'm not giving up the junk, I'm embracing something healthy. And it's having an impact on how I feel and how I live. Let's have a look as we finish at the widow's mite. We find her in Mark and Luke, but we'll look at Mark. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Those are the coins that you've passed round tonight. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. See, that's the secret of the widow's might. Those tiny coins, they don't tell us, it doesn't matter how much we give to Jesus, just drop in a little tiny bit, it's fine. It's a story about choosing to live with trust. She had nothing, nothing left. She had no means to support herself. When you're a widow in these times, there's no social security. There's no housing for you. There's no income, there's no NHS. If you're a widow, you're nothing. You have nothing. You're good for nothing. It's a sad and lonely time. And all she had left were those two coins you've passed round this evening. And she must have looked at those and thought, I can't even buy bread with this. She went to the temple and she said, Lord, this is all I have. I'm yours. And that's more than a tenth. She gave a hundred percent. But in giving, she trusted. And Jesus saw. What came of her next, we don't know. But she has been held up as a marker for us in how we trust with what we have, either out of our riches or out of our poverty. And it isn't buying brownie points to give God money. It's investing in his kingdom. And not necessarily for ourselves, but for those who we are called to love around us. When we give to Jesus, we make ourselves healthier in how we live, freer, untrapped, unfettered by the bonds of money and the ways of this world. But we're also investing in the poor. We're investing in worship. 
We're investing in discipleship and evangelism. We're investing in a building for this community to come in and learn and prosper and grow spiritually, emotionally, mentally, financially, practically. We're taking of what we've got and giving it to the food bank, staffing the fantastic church with Jesus at the centre. We are impacting into this community in the name of Jesus. And that is much more important to me than paying my insurance or my taxes or my Sky TV or my caramel latte. Those things are passionate things in my heart and they deserve to have the first fruits of whatever money I've got available. Widow's might. Harvest field. Worry. How do you live? Is it healthy? Are you trusting? And are you allowing Jesus to show up in your finances by trusting him with them? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we started looking at these passages, I prayed for freedom. I pray, Lord, that you would free us from the tyranny of our finances. None of us have got much. I don't think any of us here are rich by today's worldly standards. And yet we are abundantly rich compared to some of the worst poverties in this world. I shouldn't think there's one of us here who doesn't worry about money. So Father, give us peace over our finances. Help us not to fall into the trap of the burden of guilt of how much or how little we're giving. But let us transform those thoughts into a searching for trust in you. A willingness to to unfetter ourselves from cash and embrace your kingdom your values, your purposes. Lord, make us healthier in our finances. Help us to clean out our lives, our commitments. Help us to let go of the wrong treasures and to embrace the right ones. Most of all, Lord, help us to enjoy this life more as your people called to be the people of life and joy and love and peace. In Jesus' name, amen.